if you simply offer one thing at a time, it becomes so much more effective in your closing. I cannot recommend hmm. this. Please just offer one thing. If they say no to that, then you can make the second offer. But if you offer three packages at once, now you're giving them nine potential responses. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the High Level Spotlight Sessions where we showcase awesome marketers doing awesome marketing. And in this episode, I was joined by Alex Schlinski from Prospecting On Demand, recurring guest who actually filled in for somebody, uh, the guest that had to cancel that day. I hit record a couple of seconds late, so that's why um, it's a little abrupt as we jump in, but it's basically the beginning, so don't sweat it. Let's go see what Alex had to say, which, by the way, was pure gold. So you should be excited about this one. Helping me with the numbers here. I'm not very good at numbers, but all I had to do was have a pipeline and then just answer a couple quick questions and then like data magic. It's pretty amazing. Jose Soto also helped me out with this. He has like ninja skills with Excel that made all these numbers a lot easier. A couple things that are really important as I go through these numbers please take this with a grain of salt. These are my sales audits, not everyone's sales audits. These are the audits I have personally done for my clients. 99% of them are agency owners. Definitely at least 50 of the sales audits have also been like coaching programs just for clarity, but 99% are marketing services, mostly PPC, um, SEO, Facebook ads, Google ads, um, social media management. Someone asked me actually in this group what the uh, what the main product was, but I didn't really ha have a good job like tracking that super well. So I don't really know exactly what it was. If I was to be like put against the wall and forced to answer, I would guess Facebook ads is probably the thing I've, I've done most of, I would, I would guess. Um, now, another thing to consider, the, the things that you see on this sales audits, right? There's a reason I'm auditing their sales. It's not because they're legendary salespeople. It's because they're trying to get better at it. So also sure. take a grain of salt. And then the last thing to note here, very important. Some of these numbers are estimated uh, because we tried our best, but look, I'm a human being. My wife is a human being. Some of the numbers are a little duplicated. Some of them are not uh, perfect or exact. This is not scientific method or double split blind testing. We just thought that it would be really valuable to get the insight that we can from this. And this is what we came up with and we thought it was really valuable. And that's why we're on this call. So I'll break down each one of these today uh, and give you a little more context to them. Um, mm -hmm. And we have another post that I can show you, which is really valuable. 26 months of pricing research based off of these 1,000 audits, which I think is really interesting. Um, trying Definitely. To always, always trying to squeeze out. Can I get more posts from this? Can <laughs> I do a post that only has my top three lessons? Can I do a post on just each one of it? So I'm always trying to squeeze something out. So I got that. Uh, and that's what I've been working on. Um, and also just a huge thanks to the Go High Level team. It allowed me to track this a lot better because of the pipelines and I put a whole pipeline together and just made everything a lot easier. So really nice. excited about this. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about the first one. The offer positioning itself is by far the most challenging element for agency owners and coaches. The framework I recommended is in the comments, except I didn't copy and paste it. That's on me. I'll post it in the comments so you guys can see it. Maybe I'll even read it from my other post if I can pull it up for you. Um, basically what I see most people bungling the offer, the easiest way to explain this is separating the value and the price. Most people, when they're making an offer, they do it together. So like for our $3,000 real estate commission system, we do X, Y, and Z for you. Do you want it? And they're like, no, that's too expensive. Has anyone else been there before? Let me know in the comments. Sure. That makes total seven. sense. Yep. Super common. So the way that I break it up very simply is as follows. I recap what I call the three W's. So Chase, you're here. You want to go here and the obstacle is this. Are we on the same page? We are. Okay, great. So I feel comfortable. I can bridge that gap for you. 
through my proven processing system called X. Are you interested in hearing more about this? You are. Then you tell them the ascension promise. What does that mean? Where you're taking them. Chase, I will take you from here to there. That's what you're here for, right? Awesome. The way we do it is through a four-step process. If you cannot explain your model in four steps or less, you have a very convoluted model, right? A lot of people, especially people that are selling with GHL, you get so lost. You're like- And all the features, yeah. We're gonna do this funnel. You're gonna have this whole CRM. There's gonna be 45 things and they have no idea what you're talking about. Right. Keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. So you hit them with those four things. You say, this is what you wanted, isn't it? Is this what you were hoping for? And you might get this pushback. Well, what's the, what's the price, Chase? What's the pr Before the price, this system is what you wanted, right? Get them to confirm that value. When they see plant and confirm the value of the service, it's immensely powerful because now when you get that confirmation, they can't say, I don't see the value. You literally just said five minutes ago that you saw the value. <laughs> okay, so now that's how you get the value composition done. Now, how do you go to the price? Obviously the key element to getting the sale. Really important. What you do very simply is as follows. You express to them the, the cost of not taking action and the return on the investment. I usually do cost of not taking action first, then return on the investment. The way that I usually do this is as follows. You mentioned you're trying to get to $10,000 additional per month. That's $120,000 in a year minimum, not even talking about compound growth, which could lead to potentially a quarter of a million dollars in a year. Is that fair to say, right? Well, if you do nothing and don't implement this, you could leave potentially a quarter of a million dollars on the table. Makes sense, right? Well, right. let's talk about the alternative. Let's talk positively. Let's talk about the ROI of making this investment. What we want is your marketing to pay for itself. If it's a cost, then we made this, we made a mistake, right? It needs to be an investment. So let's say you invested in this. Now, what I like to do is I like to juxtapose what the fake price is versus the ROI. I'll give you an example. If your price is three grand and you're like, let's say you were to invest 5,000 in working with me. You're not going to, don't hang up, don't freak out, don't leave this call. Let's just say, if you invested $5,000 working with me and I was able to bring you 10 qualified opportunities this month and conservatively, you're only capable of closing two of them. Each one of those is worth $10,000 to you, right? For a roofer or a real estate agent or whatever it might be. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. If you made a $5,000 investment to generate $20,000 in revenue, would you do that over and over? You would, right? Well, mm -hmm. here's the good news. You wanna see how good we are at what we do? I can increase your return on the investment in one sentence because you don't have to pay me $5,000. For our autopilot commission system that achieves this result and takes you from here to there that you identified as valuable that could potentially generate you a quarter of a million dollars and will increase your return on the investment, it's only a $3,000 a month investment. Are you ready? That's the framework that works. This is the framework that 99% <laughs> of people in the agency space completely bungle. And it's definitely the most challenging thing I see for most people. So that's number one. Hope that was all right. It. Well, that was a big one. And I mean, <laughs> I think the answer you just gave us is probably worth $5,000 in itself. But so I really appreciate that. Uh, I'll um, drop your PayPal link below so you guys can just throw me five grand whenever you're There you ready. go. Take care of that for, for, for us there. GHLers. <laughs> this is super common. Those who offer a single recommended package close nearly 60% more. If there's one thing I can, I can tell people in the agency space selling, please, Lord Almighty, stop offering bronze, gold, and silver packages. What you're actually doing is giving them multiple decision-making opportunities, which makes it harder to make a decision. Decision-making is a very difficult thing for a lot of people. 
mm-hmm. general in life and in business. The most common is, hey, babe, what do you want to do for dinner? I don't know. What do you want to do? It's like, why are we doing this every single day? It's so common, right? It's really <laughs> common in agency work. They just have a hard time making a decision. What they want is confidence, which we'll talk about here in just a second, number five, but specifically related to a single recommended package to close nearly 60% more. If you simply offer one thing at a time, it becomes so much more effective in your closing. I cannot recommend hmm. this. Please just offer one thing. If they say no to that, then you can make the second offer. But if you offer three packages at once, now you're giving them nine potential responses. Yes, no, maybe to package one. Yes, no, maybe to package two. Yes, no, maybe to package three. It's too hard to make that decision. Give them a maximum of three options to make. Yes, no, or maybe. And ideally, if you frame appropriately and say before the offer, hey, look, I'm gonna make you this offer to you. I feel confident it's right for you. I want you to say yes if you love it or no if you don't. Is that fair? It's a powerful frame. Does that mean they won't say maybe? No, it's just a good frame. It works really well. So please, 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 please offer a single recommended package. Now, the reason it's 60% or more, like I said, I did do some coaching sales. A lot of coaches for some reason do offer at least two packages. They're like, we have this $2,500 package and we have this $3,500 package. Um, It seems to make less of a difference than it did in the agency stuff, but I'm pretty adamant about this. One offer at a time. Interesting, okay. Number three, the three most common objections are, let me talk to my partner. I don't have the money. I've been burned before. Now, when I say the three most common, it's really hard to like, delineate the other ones. There's so many others that are very common. These are just the ones that I felt I heard. This is certainly not like a stat. It's not like I wrote down all these objections and then counted sure. which ones were. This is what I believed. That's, okay. that's the reality. Like I didn't write them all down, but I know them pretty well. These are the most common. So let me break down how to overcome each of them. I promised someone on this post, I forgot who it was, someone on here, I promised that I would do it. So I'll, I'll do this quickly. And if you have any questions, feel free to let me know. And if you're enjoying this, just throw a seven in the comments below, hit that like or love button. Let's continue. So let me talk to my partner. Very common. So there's two different ways to do this. Number one is the refundable deposit. Okay. And then number, which you'll see as number nine. And then number two is simply asking for them to get on the call with the partner. So let's start with that one. Hey, you want to talk to your partner? I completely understand. I want you to make the decision that's best for you. So let me ask this first. Okay. If you were the sole decision maker, would you be moving forward with this? Is this what you want? If they say anything other than yes, why do they have to talk to a partner? You didn't sell them yet. If, you say, if they do say yes, say this. Is your partner available now? Go speak to them now. The door is not closing. I am not rushing you off this call. Feel free to get in front of them first. Okay? Then come back on this Zoom call and let's talk it out with them so we can make sure all your questions are answered. Now, is that super common? No, I would say probably less than 10% of the people you speak to will actually do it. Um, but it is really valuable to actually ask, can't hurt. Cause the most common response is, no, he's not available right now, I'll talk later. And then you schedule the follow-up call for the next day, okay? The other way that you handle this is saying, okay, again, if you were the sole decision maker, would you be moving forward with this today? Yes, awesome. So here's what I wanna do. Your partner ultimately is going to agree with you and you know this, right? This is kind of just like dotting your I's and crossing your T's. If you want this and you tell your partner you want this, they're gonna want this for you. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna schedule our kickoff call tomorrow. I want you to put down a $500 refundable deposit so I can get started. I will have everything ready for you tomorrow. On the call, we will be ready to kick off. If for whatever reason tomorrow you're like, it's not right, my partner doesn't want it, I will refund you, no questions asked. But by doing this, be prepared to get started and We will not reach out to any of your competition in your area. You will become our exclusive partner until you say no. 
Now, does that mean automatically you'll get paid the deposit? No, of course not. That's not how sales work, but it's sure. really powerful. It works really well. These are the two major ways to overcome that objection. Hope that helps. If you have any other questions about it, just comment below and I'll answer for you. I don't have the money. So I don't have the money is not really an objection. I don't have the money is more so someone saying no to you, right? There's a big difference. Now, I don't have the money, meaning they don't have like money to actually pay you versus I don't have the money because I don't see the value of the investment. This is where it kind of gets a little screwy. Normally what I do is I just call someone out about this. Like you don't have the money, got it. Okay, what did you think the investment would be? And then you go back and forth and then you explain to them, look, if I follow up with you in 90 more days, okay? And nothing changes, how are you gonna create the money then? This is the chicken versus the egg scenario. I need to make this investment to help me make more money, but I need more money to make this investment. <laughs> what are you talking about? What are you saying? Right? It just becomes insane. It's like, this is just a vicious cycle that you'll never break out of. Now you have to be comfortable in pushing people because this is what I call a bullshit objection or a no. There's a big difference between a no and an objection. If they say I don't have the money, that doesn't mean they're saying no. It just means they're afraid because here's the point blank reality. I don't want to get morbid. Let's use positive. If their kid wants something, right, and you don't have the money, they'll make the money. They'll get the money. Somehow on the morbid side, you obviously go what I'm saying, like bail sure. or someone passes away or something. You make the money happen. But in this case, you don't make it happen. Why? So push them a little bit. Finally, I've been burned before. I love this objection. This is my favorite objection to handle. So I usually turn the tables first which is a very common way to handle objections. Okay, so Chase, you're telling me right now that you've been burned before by marketing agencies. Understand, you're a solar provider, so I just wanna turn the tables with you for a second. I am buying a solar panel from you. And before we make our decision, I say, you know, man, honestly, I've been burned by other solar panel companies before, what would you say? Them handling their own objection that is garbage is really powerful, makes a huge difference. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't hit. Sometimes they're like, I don't, get, I don't know what you're saying. I can't fathom switching and turning the tables. It just right. doesn't resonate with them. Some people don't role play really well, which is fine. Other people, it, it you can just see in their brain, it triggers right away. And they're like, oh, that's irrelevant because you have no control of me being burned before. It's more so of my security. Like I'm insecure about being burned before and I want someone to trust. That's the obstacle there. Now, if the turning the tables doesn't work, I love saying this. This is like something that, that I get on my little spiel about. So I'll explain it to you, okay? So Chase, you see this mole on my hand? or a freckle, let's say it's a mole. And let's say I look at this and I'm like, hey babe, to my wife, I don't know what this freckle is. So she's like, well, go see the doctor. So I go to the doctor, right? I drive over there for 20 minutes. I wait in the waiting room. They're playing Aladdin for the 450th time in a row. Maybe, maybe they have the new one with Will Smith on, but same stupid movie, right? It smells, it's not comfortable. No one wants to be there. Finally, they call my name. I go into the smaller waiting room now and now I'm waiting more. Then the doctor finally comes in and they, hey doc, what's this thing on my hand? And he's like, well, I'm not a dermatologist. I have no idea what that is. Let me give you a referral to go see a dermatologist. So I leave. As I'm leaving, the, the, the person at the front desk is like, oh, you gotta pay your copay, it's $80. $80 for, for you to tell me that you don't know what it is? I've been heard before. So I go home, I sit down on the couch. I'm fuming, I'm frustrated. My wife comes to me, babe, did you find out what that mole was on your hand? Like, no, the doctor didn't know. He said, I need to go see a specialist. What do you think my wife's gonna say? Oh, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. No, she's gonna say, go see the damn specialist. So here's the problem. You worked with a general practitioner before. I'm the specialist and we can't let that mole become cancerous and kill your business. You still have that obstacle. The reality is you've been burned. I will learn from it and support you because I'm the specialist. 
I love saying that. The obstacle in saying that is it's a long story. It's long winded. You got to kind of be like excitable about it. And if you just don't have that connection with someone on the call, it does not come off well. And I've definitely done a chase where it is a little long winded, but it finishes strong. So yeah, I like that. I'm also a long winded person though, right? But, so it, like, but, it, but that's what the buildup is what makes the finish cut like so hard. You no, know, it's like yeah. a chill. It's like you're building up the, the joke. I have had calls chase where I'm on and I'm like saying this and they like interrupt me and they're like, what are you getting at? <laughs> I was like, well, basically I was trying to say I'm the specialist, but yeah, it didn't come out really well. <laughs> so just like, it is what it is. That's objection handling, you know? Sometimes you're gonna win, sometimes you're gonna lose, sometimes you're gonna look like an idiot. All good, yeah. go with it. So those That's are the ways funny. that I handle those objections. I love the mole story. Anytime someone says that to me, I'm, I'm excited to share it. I've shared it a hundred times. Usually I'm between Aladdin or Lion King as my standard movies that I use. Um, some people don't like that I say Lion King because it's like their favorite movie ever. So I'm not Aladdin. <laughs> Seems to be Gotta less, be careful with that. Less, for less sure. controversial. <laughs> less, at least I don't say Frozen. I'll, I'll get some people off <laughs> Okay, number four, this makes me sad. Less than 40% of the deals were closed on the first call. Um, I would say probably of the 1,000 audits I did, like about 340-ish are one call closes. Um, and when I say one call closes, I'm not including um, like warm calling. So like, hey, Chase, awesome, can we talk tomorrow? I'm not including that as the first call. I'm talking about an actual sales conversation. Most of the sales that I see closed are on the second follow-up, which is annoying because I'm obviously the big proponent of the one call close. Um, but I think the reason why this is the case is there's a reason I'm doing these audits is because they're trying to get better at the one call close. So obviously the majority of them are not closes. The majority of these sales audits are not closes less like, I think less than half of them are closes anyways. I think like four, 400 something are closes, um, which is when they're like, Hey, review this call that I had a close on. How do I get this consistent? Um, that's pretty common. So I think overall the, the four, the number four is kind of a throwaway stat to be fair. Um, it's not something that should to make you not do the one call close. It's more so to like learn why that's not happening. Um, but yeah, I was bummed when, when I saw that number, but it's kind of to be expected. If, if the, yeah, I agree. if 900 of my a thousand sales audits were closes, why am I listening to the calls? You know, like it just doesn't make much like sense. one call closes happen, but you have to be a seasoned veteran in my Pretty mind to pull those off. Pretty much, pretty much. Um, but yeah, the majority of my clients, even though if I'm being just very transparent as always, the majority of my clients still close with two calls. Um, and I think sometimes they kind of get like worried telling me like, oh, I did it in two calls. I'm like, I don't care. You can do it in <laughs> seven calls. I just, I just want to make sure you're being as effective as possible. I'm just sure. of the, of the my, I'm not really about the one call closes being the main thing, more so the one call offer, I think is better way to explain it. I don't want you doing discovery and then be like, okay, Chase, this was a great call. Let's set up a demo for tomorrow. Why? Right, right. It doesn't make any sense. Just, <laughs> you're there. You're right there. It's like disrespecting someone's time and, and that's crazy. It's more valuable than their money anyways. Don't disrespect their time. Make at least a one call offer um, and that's important. So that's actually would be an interesting note to, to track. I'll probably start tracking that in the future. I have no idea what the number was on that. Um, but not many were like, oh, let's do a demo call. Cause if I do that and I'm auditing it, I'm yelling at you. So that's why I don't get a lot of those. <laughs> Number five, um, pretty arbitrary, pretty much impossible to quantify. Uh, but I, I believe this wholeheartedly confidence is the single most important element to closing deals in one call in, in closing deals in general, you can even leave this part out. Uh, the one sure. call, um, confidence is so important. It makes a huge, huge difference. You got to come in there and believe what you bring to the table is valuable and important. Otherwise, it's just not going to happen for you. You're not going to get it. 
Um, and and I would add to that, you need to change something, right? Because I always loved, I always, the thing that, um, for me, Gary V resonated the most with me when it came to sales, because he makes it dead simple when he says like, if you don't believe in what you're selling, it's no. going to be really hard for you. <laughs> so you need to change what you're selling if you're not confident about it, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, it, it's super important for people to understand this because I hear a lot of calls where they're very shaky in their tonality and not certain of themselves. And like, think about it when you buy something, have you ever bought something where the guy's like, oh, I'm not sure. There's even like a whole commercial sequence on it. And <laughs> right. I want to say it's progressive or it's Geico where they're like, um, sort of good is not good enough. Right. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, car mechanic, right. And the car mechanics like, yeah, like we're good. We're okay. I think we can kind of fix your car. It's like, what? I don't want that. I want you to tell me you can fix the car. You go into surgery. They're like, yeah, we're, we're solid. I'd say we're, we're mediocre. <laughs> yeah. What? That makes no sense. You got to come with confidence. I think the real thing with confidence though, Chase, for most people that I see is like, they don't want to come off as a liar or someone that's taking advantage of someone. And I, I think you have to understand there's risk in sales. Like if you mean well, and your intent is truly to support someone, then don't worry about that. Like your intent is the only thing that matters. And, and just be confident that you can support. Otherwise, you're not going to get anywhere. And I would always say to our salespeople, trust the truth. Like our system works. I've seen it work a hundred times. Do, do the numbers vary every time? Of course, one person might get a $5 lead. Your market might be different and you might get a $10 lead, but there's no way I can know until I do this for you. You exactly. know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. I, I wish more people felt more confident um, with this model instead of feeling really like insecure about what they provide, but just own mm -hmm. your greatness. That's what I say. Uh, my favorite line on this chase is when people are, are towing the line between confidence and arrogance, what they're actually doing is planting seeds of doubt for themselves and mm -hmm. doubt for their clients. Doubt for yourself, one drop is enough to kill you and doubt for a client, you, you have no chance, no chance. Mm -hmm. Come with confidence, be confident. You deserve it, you've earned it, be there. Number six, this is super important to me. Uh, this was probably in my opinion, the most shocking thing that I, realized going through these audits because i've been a long-term long-time salesman on the phone like mm -hmm. a lot a lot, right. a lot a lot a lot so to see the visual aid having such a significant effect was pretty amazing literally people that had a pitch deck or, or even a single a single like explanation of their system two to one clip two to one that clip. makes total sense to me yeah it, it's because the three the three core tenets of of sales is the words that you say the tonality, the way in which you say it, and then the visual component. And most people are just eliminating the visual component right away. Um, but it's unbelievable, the numbers. Like when I look at the numbers versus sales, the people that have closed deals, like the large majority were closing much higher rates when they had a visual component, even a single, single page. Mostly what I see as being the most effective is four-step system of what you do, ROI positioning, simple testimonial proof, and that's it. Easy peasy. There's yeah, a lot more to it, but that's what I see as being really effective. Makes total sense. Yep. Let me know, guys, if you're enjoying this and what you think about this so far in the comments below. Are you using a pitch deck? I'd love to know. Let me know. Holla. Thanks for being here. Okay. Uh, number seven, about 60% of people uh, that I've listened to offered a quick start bonus. This is what I call, hope you don't mind my French, bullshit, aka waiving the setup fee. There's no substantial difference in their closing rate to those who were who staunch in the offer. I hear this quick start bonus is like a angle to try to sell something. I'm certainly biased, Chase, no doubt, but I just feel like it never comes off authentic. It always comes off inauthentic. So Chase, if you make the decision today, we'll waive the $1,000 setup fee, blah, blah. It just never comes off the way that I think people want it to come off. 
it seems very disingenuous to me, but I have a heavy bias towards it. So I, you got to take this one with a huge grain of salt because every time I hear it, I'm always like, Ugh! my ears like want to bleed. It's just, I don't feel comfortable with you it. You feel that way when you say it too. I used to use that as a crutch in the early days. It's like you throw out your offer, you're waiting for them to give you an answer and you give it away before they even object. You know, I used to do that all the time. And then I'd look back and be like, I didn't even need to do that. Yeah, it doesn't seem right. It never seems right. Um, but it, but the majority offered it. Like literally the majority of the calls I've listened to have offered it. And I'm always cringing a little bit. Uh, but yeah. I, I don't see any substantial difference in the, in the closes. I just haven't seen really any substantial differences. All right, number eight. About 10% of the audits I listened to offered a free trial or approval period, um, which I hate, but they did it. Um, they, they close at a nearly 95% rate. It's pretty hard to say no when someone's offering it to you for free, um, but still some people said no, which is pretty funny. Um, they closed at a 95% rate, but converted the clients like one out of every four times. Now, the first time I posted this, Chase, someone commented, they're like, one out of four? I'll do that all the time. The reason why some people want to do this is because they feel that sales is something they struggle with. So they'd rather just break the barrier right up front and be like, hey, Chase, rather than doing a 30-minute conversation, you want to achieve this, right? I'm going to guarantee that we'll achieve this. Put the risk in of the finances. If it doesn't work, uh, sorry, I will put in the risk of the finances. So you don't have to worry if it doesn't work. No harm, no foul for you. If it does work, you'll commit to paying us this amount per month. The problem is that the, re the people that think that the 25% was converted was the ones that had success. That's a misnomer. There's a lot of people that I listen to that close these deals. Let's say on an estimate, 10 total, okay? And if only uh, like four of them or three of them close, you would think, oh, those are the only three that had success. It's not true. I've had literally a gym, me personally, that I sold one time on a free trial and I got them a hundred leads and then they didn't pay me after. They're like, the leads weren't qualified. They weren't good enough. I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? So I don't want people to have this misnomer that the 25% means, oh, I'm so good. I'll have 50% of the people that, that do a free trial pay me. It doesn't even matter. Like, they, they don't have any intention most of the time to pay you. So take it out as you might, it's up to you, but I, I wouldn't do it personally. Nine, about 40% offered refundable deposits, usually 500 or a thousand, I explained this earlier, less than 10% of those were refunded, including mine, by the way. I've done probably, I would estimate like 300 refundable deposits in the last year to two years. Uh, I've refunded like two total, two total. It's very <laughs> common, it's the easiest way to get paid on the first call. Um, and almost everyone moves, moves forward. A couple of them do get refunded. Big important thing. If you say to someone that you will offer them a refundable deposit, no questions asked. If they ask for the refund, freaking <laughs> refund them. <laughs> refund them. Don't be that guy because that's how it creates mistrust for people. You right. can give them a refund. This is what I actually learned this myself, Chase. I had someone ask for a refund and I was like trying to save it. And he hit me bluntly. He's like, dude, you promised me that you would give me a refund. No questions asked. And I felt like a jerk because I, I wasn't trying to be a jerk. I was just trying to save the sale. So like, I'm sorry, here's the refund. Can I now ask you, right? You can do it that way. Here's the okay. refund. Now I want to learn from you if that's okay. What could I have done better? What can I learn? How can I make blah, blah, but just refund them. Don't be that person that screws them over. That's not right. You don't want to be treated that way. I certainly don't want to be treated that way. And I didn't mean to treat that guy that way either. Average call time, 45 minutes. Uh, it's estimated, to be honest with you, I had nine really good, um, nine really good lessons and then I had to have a 10th because I felt uncomfortable that a 10th. So I threw this one in. I don't think it really makes much of a difference. That seems really long to me. Does that seem long to you? you I just listened to a call yesterday that was an hour and a half. So, you Jeez. know, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, 
it's pretty crazy, but yeah, the average is about 45 minutes. Um, but there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them that are also follow-ups. So it's hard to like get the, the audits because like the follow-ups sometimes are really short or really long because they just have never ending questions and people don't mm -hmm. know how to stop people from asking questions. Um, so yeah, it's hard to say, you know, I don't really, I don't really get a lot from this one. Uh, I just posted it because I really wanted to have 10 instead of nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, this goes back to the one little piece of one nugget I always offer people and it, it changed a lot for me when I started doing it was just when you get on those calls, be like, okay, Alex, I've got 20 minutes set aside for our call today. If for some reason we need more time, we'll book it at the end. But then you don't get into those where the client or the lead is dragging you on and on with yeah. all these endless questions. This is, how, this is why I set it up with time result frame. So like how long the call is going to be and what the result of that call is going to be. Um, usually I say 30 to 45 minutes, which actually sure. might be why the average is 45 minutes because we're setting it up. I haven't considered that actually, Chase, but it's really interesting. So yeah, these were the thoughts that I had after a thousand sales audits. Um, I hope you guys like this and found this valuable. Let me know in the comments below, or if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Dude, I think this is, you're in a really unique position being a veteran at what you're doing to keep taking this and making it more, more of a real case. To, like, you know what I mean? Like keep refining this. Cause this is, this is going to be gold when you get to the point where it's like. Goal, my next goal is to have it for like 1500 sales audits mm -hmm. um, and continuing going from there. Um, but yeah, I'm always trying to find unique angles for posts that are valuable. It's funny because I'm like really not a numbers guy. So it's funny that I'm the one that's, that's doing the number stuff. Um, but yeah, interesting stuff. All right, let's continue. It's really cool. All right, awesome. So now we're talking about what? Pricing research. So I basically, this is just for transparency, me pulling out another 10 lessons from a thousand posts. Now mm -hmm. a thousand audits, it's not just a thousand audits because of course I've got a lot of insight just from communicating with people, sure. but it's mostly from the audits. Um, so let's go into this. Number one, this is so important. I wish more people would listen to this. You do not have to fight for the lower price. You're just not charging enough. Most people, most people are fighting for lower prices. Most people, they're like, and then when they hear someone like, oh, I can get this cheaper. If someone says I can get this cheaper, implore them to do so. Because you should be confident in your offer. Say, look, if you can get what I'm offering for you with this offer and this guarantee or this thing, go do it. I'll circle back with you in 30 days or 60 days. I'm pretty confident it won't happen. But if I'm wrong, that means you're right. And that's what I wanted for you. That's great. <laughs> and if it doesn't work out, then you learned your lesson and you'll make the investment that's appropriate in working with me, point blank. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. It works really well. I do it all the time. Um, definitely in my coaching program, by the way, because my coaching program is 10 Gs, right? Straight up. So some people are like, oh, but that person offers it at 7,500. I'm like, so go buy it then. Because <laughs> you're going to come back. Like, it's just, it's just do that. No worries. You're not hurting my feelings. It's all good. Go do it. Some people do and some people don't. No worries. 90% of the fees I see, me, are 1,000 to 1,500. That doesn't mean what I recommend. It's just what I see. Thus why it makes sense what the first line here is, which is you're not charging enough. Number three. Too many agency owners are making less than 40% margin on their service. It's insane how many people that I've worked with or seen or spoken to that make like 20 to 30% margins. If you are not making at least 40%, you're in a bad spot. You should really be making 50% though, minimum, really. And if you don't know number stuff, follow Adam Rundle. Dude is a genius, amazing human being, great guy very, very skilled. So can you put me in touch with him? Cause I'd, I'd love to get him on the show because for me, this is, if I can help make one change to this industry, it would be this. 
we are all obsessed with seven figure, six figure, eight figure, which is meaningless if you don't know your margins. Margin should be the ultimate goal of what you're doing, not a million dollars a year in top line revenue or whatever you're, you know, the seven figure, eight figure that you're shooting for. Anybody can hit those numbers if your margins are 10%. <laughs> like this, what you're talking about right now is the most important thing that you need to focus on. And if you don't know how to really tell what your margin is, you need to figure that out ASAP. Also, revenue is a vanity statistic. It's like sex sales. Sex, oh, sells. sex sells, so do numbers. Numbers sell. Numbers sell. So they're like, oh, I made a million and a half dollars in my agency last year, and they brought home 100K. Right. You're like, what are you doing? What are you doing with your life? Like, that doesn't make any sense, you know? My agency margin is very confidently 40% exact, exact, and I do nothing for my agency. And I'm very happy with that. And that's what I want it to be. And if I need to hire someone, it will go down a little bit, but that's okay. Cause that's what I set it up as. That's what I want it to be as margins and coaching programs are really different. It's a lot harder to manage. Cause like, yeah, just sure. I would love to see people start changing their bios from seven figure or whatever to like 40%, whatever. Cause yeah, that's impressive to me. I'm going to start. I'm going to start. I made $10,000 last month. And you're like, that's not enough. But no, I actually made it. That's like my money. <laughs> exactly. not, not I made 3,000 of the 10. I made it. Exactly. But number four, marketers that offer free trial. This is the same thing as what I said before. Uh, it's just differently written. Marketers that offer, you guys are seeing my secrets of how I kind of like parse my posts out. Um, marketers that offer free trials to prospective clients convert them one out of four. That's another way to say 25%. See what I did there? Okay, mm -hmm. same thing. Uh, uh, five, about 80% sell their packages to include ad spend and, and uh, management. That's an interesting one. Yeah, a lot of people have been kind of barking on this one. I didn't realize how interesting this was. I thought this was really common. Um, I guess it wasn't super common for a lot of people. I don't really have- I'll tell you why. Because oh. when you do it the other way, you don't take on the risk. You're saying, hey, we're gonna spend this on your card, not yeah. on ours. And then you have to be transparent about the amount that's being spent. If you yeah. do it the other way, and you start running ads and you were planning on spending, let's say $1,000 on Facebook, you start hitting the results with only 800. You're good. Keep you can up. keep 200, <laughs> you can pocket that. The reason, the reason why I see most people do it, Chase, is an assumption, obviously. What I see most people is because they feel more comfortable in their sales process with a lump sum number as opposed to this, right? So Chase, what we do is we take a $1,500 management fee and then we charge you $1,000 over the month on ads. Becomes, and nobody wants to hear that, by the way. <laughs> what becomes less convoluted is it's $2,500 one-time investment. Also, if I could just say something, if more people would implement the, the I don't know how to say this appropriately, um, but I'll just express it. Like, if more people would implement the 97 model instead of the 00 model, I think it would make a big difference. Like, the package is 2497, or the package is uh, 3597, or 3937. Um, if more people would implement that, I think they'd achieve more. Um, also, don't let people that are dumb, uh, like. So you think up. that's tried and true? Sorry to cut you off. That's still true. Super valuable, but I want to tell you this story. So I okay. went to this to an attorney. I think it was twenty four ninety seven, and I'm not kidding. This happened. I sent him the invoice for two thousand four hundred ninety seven dollars. He's like, I thought it was twenty four dollars, and, and I thought it was twenty five bucks. <laughs> I didn't even answer him. I didn't answer him. <laughs> I just gave up. Like, you're a dick, like straight up. You're just a bad person. That's insane to say. Like, that's crazy. Cause I said 2497. That's what I said. So I was like, Maybe wow. he was just making a really bad joke. 
Oh, maybe I lost that. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, and this guy, you know, I, I was, thought he's my buddy. I sent him this funny joke, and he never replied to me. He he's a dick. I don't want to worry about that. That's <laughs> um, <laughs> you make me consider that. I'm going to have to go reach back out to him. I remember a couple of years back, $100, so how did that go? <laughs> so six, um, less than 20% successfully sell their packages in three-month lump sums. This was really interesting to me. Um, I thought more people would do this. I do this very commonly in my coaching program, not super common in my agency, but I was trying to think of why, like what's the disparity? Very commonly I'm selling my program at, hey, look, it's gonna be 10,000 if you do it over three months, or it's 8,000 if you make the investment right now one time, right? And that's really powerful as you can see, which is the next thing, number seven, which we'll talk about here. But I, I think this is really, really interesting. More people should be start selling on two to three month lump sums. Like if you sell it in this lump sum, they'll be committed for a longer time. You'll get paid up front and, and you can give them a small discount for it, which I think would be really interesting. Very few people have done this though. Like, but I so would, this works better for like a coaching thing where it's a set time frame versus an agency model, right? Which you, theoretically you should pay me every month forever. I think so. But I also think there's value. I've heard a couple of clients do this where they're like, look, we don't do a month. We don't do ask you to sign a contract. We do month to month. We want you to want to work with us, but here's the reality. It's going to take time for us to really get you the results you want at the level you want. We can get results month one, but I would love if you gave us three months, so much so that I was willing to give you a discount. Normally, the investment is X, but what I would love to do is offer it to you at Y if you pay it up front. Now, the framing of that's not really good, but if you're basically saying that it's $3,000 a month, instead of it being 9,000, you charge them 8,000. Right? And they're like, oh, you know, I'll save a thousand dollars over ninety days to work with you on this. Uh, I see what you're saying. That um, works really well if you're selling websites, because you're like, hey, the website's ten grand or whatever. Um, if you pay it like yeah. this, or if you want to just go, you know, in three payments, or you could just pay one payment a month for a year, and it's this. This is where the obstacle comes in, though. This is where you start doing that bronze silver package, and now yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. You only have, you can only do it effectively if you make the offer once and then they say no to it and then you go there. So for example, sure. what we do is we prefer having people invest in a three month lump sum because that way we commit together for 90 days and be able to get you the best results possible for the 90 days, everything included, all the ads, all this, all that, all that. It's a $9,000 investment. That's it. Or 8,997. Oh, Chase, that's too much. Can't do it. Okay. No worries. For the monthly investment, it's going to be $3,500 a month. But that's yep. more expensive. Yeah, because you're not committing to us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You see how we're doing this? And then usually you can give them like a $250 discount or something for doing the work then. That's kind of the model. But I, I understand why a lot of people don't do it. It would be intriguing to see more people try at least. Very yeah. few people try. That's the truth. I already kind of explained this, but basically less than, you know, about 10% off for the, uh, the lump sum packages. I have had one person, by the way, uh, two people sell uh, six month and year long packages um, for 50K or more, which is very impressive um, and uh, something to consider. Um, That's amazing. Real estate, both of them were in real estate. So, okay. real estate. so I think it might just be easier with the lump sum packages for those, but I thought that was really interesting. This is the most interesting one for me. I don't really have a good answer as to why this is the case, but I thought um, Yehuda Plotzker shared some really interesting insight on this, which I'll show. For services over 5K, 70% sell without a guarantee. Most of them sell without a guarantee. For services under 5K, almost half of the people that I listen to sell with a guarantee, either satisfaction or money back. 
And I was wondering why I posted it and um, uh, Megan asked about it. And then Yehuda gave his thoughts, which I thought was really interesting. I, he said, I think it has to do with the fact that businesses that can afford 5K a month know the value of it and how it works. So if you're gonna penny pinch, you don't need guarantees. I thought that was really interesting. Um, I haven't really fleshed out why this is the case. It was just something that was really interesting to me, how so commonly I saw people with 5K plus services not offering guarantees, but to be, a, again, I said in the last one, 90% of management fees are 1,000 to 15. So this is a very small number. I'm talking about like- Yeah. I'm also small. wondering if this takes into account, like we would have a client for let's say a year at 2,500 and then they go up to like a 5K because it's working. And by that point, they already trust you. They don't need a guarantee. Oh, I haven't considered that. I'm talk I, I recall these numbers being strictly based on the service is $5,500 a month. Or That's really interesting. Yeah, and it's really, they don't have a guarantee. And then so many people under that, so many people at the $2,000, $3,000 mark, they're like, we sell satisfaction guarantee and that kind of thing. Um, pretty interesting. But yeah, I thought hmm. that was This one was also really interesting to me. 90% require upfront payment for the services, 10% sell with pay per lead. I honestly thought it was going to be more, um, more people paying per lead. This is another one of those things where you can kind of just peel back the curtain and be like, look, I'm going to make this easy for you. You're just going to pay per leads. I'm going to show you how it works. And then you're going to pay me for her per performance. So it makes more sense. It's a lot easier for you. Um, but not a lot of people do it. I've never seen that work. <laughs> like in okay. all honesty, I, yeah. and I'd love to go back no, to talk to the conversion league guys, because I'd love to know how they're doing work in sales, like ought to get paid or work in retention or both. No, it's easy to close that deal. Very. It's, it never ends up working out because it's very rare because most people don't like agree on what the, what the actual result is. So I'll give you an example. Yeah. One of them that did sell was this woman who sold this system that was guaranteed five to 10 appointments booked, right? And uh, when you get those 10 appointments, you'll pay, uh, uh, what was it? $100 per appointment and you'll pay a thousand and then we'll go from there. And they were really confident in that because they were booking like, like they were getting their lead cost at like $30 or less. So they make a really nice margin. And I was like, okay, like I'm not a huge fan of this, but like, let's go for it. So they did it. They get the person, the leads and the person's like, no, I'm not going to pay you. And he's, and they're like, why? Like, well, the lead quality wasn't there and blah, blah, blah. And they didn't confirm what was like, was it yep. five qualified? Was it five that you agreed to? So for it to work, you have to have like very clear service. What levels. happens if they don't show up? Yeah. Contract and stuff. The reason why most people I think don't do it is because of how messy it becomes. I have done the performance model twice before with attorneys um, where they gave me a piece of the, of the attorney pie, but it was terrible for me. Like it was a bad experience because I put a lot of money up myself, I think probably three, four grand myself for these two clients. Um, I trusted them fully. Um, and I did get paid and I got paid a significant amount, almost 10 G's from both of them. But the amount of stress, like of putting in a thousand dollars and then another thousand and then thinking this is, this is not even a thousand dollars I'm putting in my own company. It's someone else's company. It's like, mm -hmm. it didn't work out well for me. Um, as soon as we got the result, I switched them to a different model. I'm like, I don't want you to have to pay me 10,000 every three months. I'd prefer you just to pay me 2,500 every month. And then you get the results that you get. And they're like, yeah, we'll do that. It's a weird thing. Cause on paper, it makes a ton of sense so for both parties involved. Theoretically, it's, it's all good, but I've never seen it actually work. It's pretty rare. I've only seen it work a couple of times. I had it work for me a couple of times, but I also had it go against me in terrible ways a couple of times. And I should say work long-term. Yeah. Right? No, it's not really ideal. It's not really ideal. And then number 10, we already talked about this. 
you can see I, I, I manipulated the post so that I can have some of <laughs> about half fellow set a fee, most of them waive it uh, to close the deal. So those are those two posts that I had that I worked on. Uh, it took a long time to get the content out, but as you can see, the engagement's really high. So um, I'm happy to do those posts when people care about it. You know, it would suck doing all that time and then no one cares about it. <laughs> That would suck. Oh, this is super, because I mean, where else would you go for this, right? Like we don't have, you know, um, I feel like we used to have companies like Moz and so-and-so who would put things out that took a lot of time and research, but I feel like I see less and less of that now. So Alex, I really think this is awesome. And I would encourage you to just like keep collecting data and try to make it better and better as you go, because I think our community for sure, I'm sure when we repost this, it's going to have a ton of engagement and comments and, and, and all sorts of stuff. So. And, and like I said, GHL has helped so much, especially when you added now the email stuff. We've been wanting that because we do our prospecting in a box with GHL. Mm-hmm. And uh, now that we have those numbers, we are already starting to, to manipulate those numbers. We have 40 clients uh, in our coaching program right now, Chase, that use GHL in our automation, the snapshot we created. And now all of them are going to have numbers so fast, so fast to get the intel. Um, and that's literally the first thing we did. That's why I tagged John P, who's my uh, like tech guy. I don't know anything about tech, but I'm like, John, let's get it. Let's get the Zapier's going. Let's get all the numbers, get into the, the Google Drive and I'll make a post about it. Be- <laughs> Someone needs to make a poll of, do you call it Zapier or Zapier? <laughs> yeah. <I'm> not- <laughs> I don't know anything about tech stuff. Like people come to me, by the way, because they know that, that I do videos on GHL or that you guys sponsored our event and they're asking me GHL stuff. And I'm like, I literally, don't know how to do anything at all on that. No, I, I'm just genuinely how? curious about so, how so much of this comes to be. Like a lot of people say Zapier and I'm like, do you make a Zape then? No, you make a Zap, right? <laughs> so where did you get Zapier? But it's like, I would say more people call it Zapier than Zapier. No, I have no clue. I have, <laughs> I have no clue on the semantics of Zapier or Zapier. Um, all right, but- well, Alex, for sharing all of that, you clearly are a sales master. And um, so where do people go? If they're listening to you and they're like, who is this guy? Can I just pay him to teach me this stuff? Where do they go? Yeah, easiest place is prospectingondemand.com or just reaching out to me on Facebook directly. Um, I do every once in a while offer solo audits, but usually only for like pretty heavy influencers to help them out. Like I, I'm not gonna name names, it's not appropriate. But uh, a couple of people I've supported with that. Um, I normally don't do it very often because I'm I do like, three to five a week in my coaching program. So if you do want it like one-off, we can talk about that if that makes sense for you. Um, if not, no harm, no foul. I'll do my best to support where else I can. Um, but Chase, I appreciate the time and, and letting me do this. I, I love coaching and sharing and providing this insight. So I'm always down to do as many of these are possible. I'll keep sending them and keep providing them, I promise. Awesome. And again, I really appreciate you jumping on last minute. My pleasure. And bringing the thunder. Yeah, the thunder, the lightning. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Everyone else out there, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Stay safe. Uh, Love each other. And if you need anything from me, reach out. I got your back. Thanks, everyone. See you in the next episode.